0: Welcome to the Franchise Hounds podcast. I'm Greg Macchia, a certified franchise consultant. Thanks for joining me as I interview franchise industry pros to dissect, explore, and discover franchise ownership. Joining me today is Dylan Cook and Steve Rossioli, the founders of Moving You and Junk You. In 2016, while students at Westchester University Dylan and Steve started a local moving and junk removal company. They realized pretty quickly that they wanted to share this concept with other entrepreneurs and started franchising the business in 2020. Moving You and Junk You recently awarded its first franchise location and have received interest in many other markets around the country. I hope you enjoy today's discussion with Dylan and Steve from Moving You and Junk You. Dylan and Steve. Welcome to Franchise Hounds. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. I've never had two guests on the show at once. So we're we're breaking new ground here together. So hopefully this goes hey, okay.
1: We're here for it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. And you know, not only not only two guests, but but two co-founders of a kind of a new emerging brand. And I really love having founders on, especially, you know, of a of a new concept, because you guys are, you know, right in the throes of launching this thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what is uh, what's the history of Moving You and Junk You and and what's your guys history together?
1: So uh, Moving You and Junk You, uh, we started back in 2016, um, back when Dylan and myself were attending Westchester University, which is a small state school. About half hour, 45 minutes uh, outside of Philadelphia. So, we were working for another uh, junk removal company and, um, you know, like two entrepreneurial type of guys in college. We figured we could do it on our own uh, better. So, we broke off and started moving you and junk you. One of the unique aspects of Dylan and myself is we always had the end in mind when we started the company. So we really uh, had the goal and vision of franchising the concept from the beginning. Uh, Not everybody wakes up and says, oh, I want to do moving and junk removal, but it was a viable business that we knew we could do since we were already kind of doing the work. Um, And we saw the potential in terms of developing uh, the systems to really reinforce the business model moving forward.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad you touched on that because I I always like to ask founders that just their thought process going into it. So it, it is... Uh, interesting or important that you guys had had franchising in mind uh, as you started this because I think you you know make decisions differently when you do that so that that's interesting I mean absolutely this is like uh Michael Dell launching Dell computers out of his dorm room or 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 I guess Zuckerberg with Facebook right where you so you guys knew each other in college as well yeah yeah we were roommates at one point we kind of were
2: you know in the living room like came up with the idea like hey like moving you and junk you and yeah we could do the work ourselves and you know um, take care of everything. We didn't really have any money or really a business plan. We just kind of walked out the door and uh, printed up some flyers and started handing them out to people, apartment complexes, and said, "Hey, you know, we do moving and you know, and junk removal labor." And they're like, "All right, sure, yeah, we'll we'll give you a call." And that that's
0: how it started. That's wild. So I assume you had to buy a truck to start. Yeah, actually not.
1: Um, so uh, we had about. 45 cents to our name when we started the company. (laughs) So, uh, we used a lot of hustle muscle in the early days. Um, so we were, I was actually working a part-time job uh, at an apartment complex, and I got a little bit in trouble because I used a whole year's worth of ink in about two weeks printing flyers. Uh, so that was our initial uh, marketing dollars was to just print out flyers, walk around to local businesses, door-to-door marketing. And then what we would do um, is we would have the customer rent the truck and we would just follow behind to be the uh, helping hands with the labor aspect. So, um, I think truly grass rooted, you know, we didn't really have any initial startup money, but then once we got some, uh, funds into the accounts, we did wind up purchasing a truck. And, uh, you know, so the story goes yeah, from there.
0: That's really cool. I, I can picture you guys like your, your buddies on a Friday night, like, are we going out big tonight? And you're like, well, we've got a junk hauling job in the morning, and and we need, <laughs> yeah. and, and we need your help actually.
1: <laughs> For sure, but I mean that's that's one of the things that uh, we feel as though while back then was kind of a hurdle to get over. It's really helped us moving forward because we haven't, you know, had any like. Big cash infusions in the early days that really helped us bolster the business. We really grew it from the bottom up and you know work through those problems. And and you know, though unconventional, starting a moving junk mobile company without a truck, um, it helps you to get creative with what you can do and then you know how you can scale the business from there. So it's kind of helped sculpt us into the the founders that we are today.
0: That's really neat. That's cool. So how long were you guys uh, operational before you actually started franchising and, and how long have you been franchising?
2: So we were operational technically at the beginning of 2016. And like that's when we started in the, in the dorm room, right? We didn't have any any legal documents or anything like that. Um, and then we started franchising at the beginning tor- Right at the end of 2020, basically, kind of right uh, towards the end, and really started pushing the marketing of selling franchises um, this year, 2021.
0: Wow, kind of just uh, you know half a year into it. Or so, how many? Uh, I believe you have one franchise location currently. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we have one currently, and then we have another one that's that's signing on the next few days. They just haven't inked their documents, basically, but they're uh, they're in the process. We have one trained and and uh, about to be operating, and another one starting very soon so
0: that's exciting where is the uh the first franchisee located
2: so it's in uh in the springfield ohio area okay right kind of near in columbus dayton. yeah dayton columbus yeah yeah and then the other one is going to be uh in Reading, pennsylvania it's actually very close to us here maybe like an hour drive so kind of uh right next to our our headquarters here in westchester
0: Oh, great. And are you guys kind of looking to grow regionally at first, just from a support perspective?
1: Yeah, somewhat regionally at least. I mean, one of our main concerns is we want to make sure that our franchisees do well obviously. And I know everyone says that, but that's why we wouldn't take someone out and say like Los Angeles right now, because even just with the time difference in our call center, uh, we might not be able to fully support them on top of the actual, uh, hands-on support, but we figure anywhere in the East coast, pretty much, you know, what's a two hour plane ride. You know, we can get out there, do what we need to do and get back pretty much the same day. That's kind of our, our radius that we're really looking to uh, focus on in the beginning.
0: Great. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a, that's a good approach. So what are some of the kind of, uh, top markets uh, around you that you'd like to get into?
2: Yeah. Any like real big metropolitan areas, uh, we really think, especially kind of the suburban areas around them. I mean, obviously there's actually still opportunity here in uh, in Philadelphia. There's a a suburb kind of more in the Northeast that's a little bit too far for us to actually go to. Definitely Washington, D.C., pretty much all of North Jersey and and Southern Jersey. We'd like to say New York, it is a registration state. We're not there right now. But, yeah, pretty much all like the main Boston. We're actually going to a, a franchise show next weekend in Boston. Uh, we think that's another great market. You know, places where there's a lot of stuff to to be moved and uh, a lot of stuff to get rid of. So uh, you know, a high population with um, you know is great for us.
0: Sure. yeah, it, that, that's encouraging to hear because uh, you know there are a few other concepts similar to your to your model and and they really don't have much territory left. So it's it's nice that there's a there's a new brand with a lot of uh, open territory. How do you guys define a, a territory? Is it is it population based?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we the way we define our territories is we want at least a half million people up to a million people. Um, that way, we, there's definitely enough business to be had. Anything under that, uh, you know, you, I'm sure you could facilitate some revenue, but um, not enough to really be comfortable to where we would like people to be. So that half million marks the bottom end, and up to a million would be a territory.
0: Good. Yeah, that seems like a A healthy, a healthy size for sure. Are there any state or federal regulations around like hauling junk?
2: Yeah, hauling junk, it's state by state. Um, A lot of places like Pennsylvania, there really isn't anything. I mean, you need like a DOT. Um, Jersey, there actually is a license. So it's kind of state by state for the junk hauling. Most states have a moving license. um, But for the junk hauling, um, you know, it's it's kind of uh, uh, pretty much you just need to have a business license and, you know, in a truck
0: (laughs) interesting yeah in jersey you guys better watch it you need to get a tony soprano's approval first before you start (laughs) right (laughs) before you start operating there (laughs) and and what do you uh what do you guys typically do with the junk are you able to recycle it or donate it or do you have to actually dispose of it you know
1: for sure. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, we try to donate as much as possible. And it's still something we definitely try to do today. It's just become a lot harder, um, you know, void of COVID just because the donation centers get such an inundation of furniture. Uh, they just don't have the floor space to hold it. So we actually were able to connect with a local nonprofit uh, like Women's Shelter that uh, we donate to. They take a lot more stuff just because their name isn't as out there. So we're able to get more items to them. Um, next to that, we try to recycle as much as possible. So any Anything that is recyclable, uh, we pull off and recycle that. And then the rest we take to the transfer station. So, yeah, that's
2: what we need the warehouse space and the franchisees do to be able to sort all the stuff and break things down. You know, so it's it's really good, obviously, for the, the franchisees because they know they're doing a good. But even our customers really love to hear. Hey, you're going to not just take my stuff, but you're actually going to try to recycle it. You're going to, you're going to put that work in to make sure, um, you know, it's not just going right to the landfill, which, you know, anybody can do. You're going to break it down at your professional facility.
0: Yeah, that is, that is a really nice kind of uh, added benefit of that. And, and it's, you know, even from a business model, it's a win-win. Uh, you know, one, you're not paying any kind of dump fees or or lower dump fees, right? And then you're keeping things out of the waste stream. And then I would imagine it's an opportunity for, you know, any future franchisees to kind of find a nonprofit in their, you know, in their territory and, you know, build goodwill that way. So it's a, it's a cool story. Yeah. While you're on the, I I wanted to ask you about what type of uh, facility is required. And since you touched on a little bit, uh, needing a warehouse space to sort things, uh, could you, could you, go into that a little deeper now
2: yeah definitely so we do require at least uh, like roughly and we say at least uh, because it's not an exact hard number but like about 800 square feet of warehouse to start um, the reason why it's really not that much because we don't do storage um, or anything like that for the franchisees really it's for the, the junk and their supplies so they want something where they can put everything into that's enclosed um, temperature control you know they can keep the good stuff and donate it if needed or, or break it down but also uh, keeping that overhead low. Because like we talked about, since we had the end in mind, um, we still made a lot of mistakes. And one of the mistakes we made was we went from, you know, basically our dorm room to this really nice warehouse space we have here. And we really overpaid for it. It's pretty. It's nice. But uh, it's a little more expensive than we needed at that early going. You know, now we utilize... Uh, the full extent of it. But back when we started, we didn't need all that space. So that's something we tell the franchisees, like, hey, you only need enough space to support, um, you know, like 800 square feet warehouse. That That's really all you need. And keep those expenses low so they can go to what's important. You know what I mean? Whether it's marketing or, or to the employees or, you know, of course, to the franchisees themselves. So
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Do all locations do both junk and moving like is that that's kind of a requirement
2: yeah we don't we don't like the idea of doing um just one or the other we found that especially uh moving really follows the real estate market kind of goes uh you know it, it's busy all year but there's a bigger spike in the summer and junk removal is a little more steady and you know keeping your guys employed and, and keeping your revenue high you want to have both at the same time and then even moments like last year um you know we were considered essential and during um during the pandemic when there was the shutdown there was really not much moving, especially here in Pennsylvania. They weren't even uh, real estate sales weren't even happening. So if we didn't have junk removal or had the capacity to handle those junk removal jobs, we would have had trouble keeping everybody employed. But there was such a spike in junk removal, we were able to to stay busy throughout that entire shutdown. And then when moving came back, we were able to jump right back in. So having both for the franchisees is you know you're able to kind of to use both to to, to leverage on uh, making sure you're busy and your trucks are on the road
1: all the time.
0: Yeah, I didn't think about that. I mean, my wife and I were like you know mad. Men around the house being stuck here, clearing things out and fixing things up. So yeah, the junk removal piece was probably super busy for you guys. Definitely. Are the services like complimentary at all in that? Like, you know, maybe someone will move and then they'll have junk they want to get rid of after as well. Like, is there, is there a component of that?
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat there, I would say about 30% of our moves have some sort of junk removal associated with them, but where uh, we really see the benefit is Uh, A lot of people are looking to get rid of stuff way before they're looking to move. So, you know, as they're starting to think about, oh, you know, maybe want to move next year and they're starting to downsize like the stuff that they don't want to have, we can get our foot in the door with the moving service by doing the junk removal earlier in the process. So, you know, we do a junk removal for somebody in April and they're selling their house in September. You know, they remember that, you know, we did the service before they were happy with it and we already got a foot in the door for the moving job as that comes up. And even just junk removal in general, I think there is a, um, a growth of opportunity in the industry, people
2: learning really what it is that, wow, someone will come and take my stuff. And, you know, actually all of our call center reps and, and they really love doing this. They love to say, hey, you know, if you're actually looking to get rid of anything, even people that maybe don't end up moving with us will use this for junk removal because they go, wow, I didn't even know that somebody would come in and take all this stuff and and what a lifesaver it was that, Hey, I wasn't able to move with this company because maybe they were booked up on this day, but you know, somebody, they came and took my junk and you know, they're uh, just just hearing that they didn't even know about it. So yeah, there's definitely super complimentary um, aspects to both those services.
0: That's really nice for the business model from a, from a revenue standpoint. I mean, I assume the move is a, is a bigger ticket item. How do you kind of see this, the split just in general of, you know, moving versus, junk removal as a business as a whole.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, we would love for everyone to be about 50-50. Each market's going to probably be a little bit different. In some areas, the junk's going to be a little bit higher. Some the moving's going to be a little bit higher, but here we're looking at about a 50-50 revenue split. And just like you had said, even though the average cost per job for a move is higher than it is on a junk job, um, the crews are able to handle three to four times the amount of junk jobs they are moving. So the revenue basis, they wind up uh, washing each other out. One's a lower price point, but you can do a lot more jobs because they're quicker. And the other one's a higher price point, but it takes a little bit more time, so you can't do as many. But we're looking for a 50-50 split, ideally.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's interesting. Are you able to use the same truck?
1: Yeah, we, we really prefer to split the trucks up um, just right on the basis of cleanliness. You know, we want to have our, our dump truck, which is our junk truck, um, handle most of the junk jobs just so you're not, you know, cross contaminating those two. Um, you know, on the moving aspect, if, if someone has a couch to get rid of on the move, you know, that's no problem to throw it in, but we really do try to keep those trucks separate. Um, on top of that, on the junk removal side, just on an efficiency basis, uh, with the dump by, it makes the unloading a lot quicker, so you're not paying the labor to load it and then unload it. So it, it definitely makes the actual operation more efficient with the two different types of trucks as well.
0: Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And from a from a consumer standpoint, can you kind of describe the experience? You mentioned do you have a you have a call center? So if someone someone calls in, um, they start with the call center.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we do have the call center um, that operates from eight to eight uh, Monday through Friday. And then we have limited hours on the weekend. Um, that's where the, the sales start. Yeah. And,
2: and they get booked, um, through the call center. They're able to provide them with a quote, um, you know, give them all the details of their job, send them an email with their contract or any other details that they have. And then it also provides the contact to the franchisee through there. So, you know, if, it, if it's us here, they have the, you know, the local branch number or, um, you know, another franchisee and that gets Sent directly to the franchisee so they can serve the job. And if they have any questions about anything in particular, they'll give the customer a call and say, "Hey, you know what I mean? Um, I just have a question because it looked like you told the call center rep that you're on the fourth floor and you weren't sure about the elevator situation. Can you explain that, you know, to me so that I can be fully aware of your job and and, and make sure I um you know provide the right crew and and all the right equipment.
0: To have the call center that that is able to book jobs is is really nice, particularly for. You know, a new franchisee starting out to kind of have that support is is huge. Yeah, even sure. just to answer
2: the the uh, the calls that are you know tire kickers, people just saying, "Oh, how much does it cost to to get rid of uh, you know a full house?" And they say, "Oh, I thought it would only be a hundred bucks." You know, it's that's only five minutes, but that's five minutes that a franchisee could be focused on you know hiring uh, another person or, or making that business contact. So us taking that off of them and not having to you know to to
1: pay that um, you know that person to answer those calls all the time is is huge for sure. I and mean- we our call center to just book jobs. We wanted them to be able to gather enough information to give the franchisee to be able to as easily as possible execute on the jobs, especially with the moving industry. There's a lot of variables that can affect the price in a lot of different ways. So our trained salespeople are uh, looking to get all the details from the customer so that the franchisee can uh, know exactly what they're getting into on moving day.
0: Sure. And they they don't have to have a follow-up
1: call or anything like that.
0: Is internet search kind of your best source, uh, your best lead source?
1: Yeah, um, for sure. Um, especially on uh, the junk mobile side, you know, Google's a big one um, for the moving, you know, it might be more like Yelp uh, or those uh, service-based uh, searches. But what we also try to do is we try to facilitate um, customers earlier in the process. So we do a lot of social media marketing um with uh articles that we've prepared uh you know whether it's three tips for packing your home before your move or how to clean out the garage we do a lot of um uh, marketing of the articles to help people uh figure out the process themselves and then we always have a little ad in there at the bottom you know or if you're looking to have someone help you do this you know we're always there to help yeah providing like an information based kind of
2: source so people remember us as the oh I see those articles all the time and I you know even something is uh you know how do you get Rid of a couch. Maybe they don't use us to get rid of the couch, but you know they look. Oh, okay. Here's a site I can sell it, or here's somewhere I can take it myself. And then next time when they're looking to clear out their whole garage, you know they have that um, that contact and they give us a call then too. So
0: yeah, when I checked out your website, I, I noticed that that you guys have a lot of resources on there, and and you keep it up to date, which is usually you know not the case. But uh, you know I noticed you had just posted posted <laughs> post a couple things every month, and something as you know recent as a couple days ago. So that's. That's great. And it helps with, you know, search engine, as, as I'm sure you guys know.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Some of our articles have actually gotten so much reach, we get job inquiries out in California. So just to go to show you how effective they are.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Who is an ideal candidate to become an owner of Moving You and Junk You?
2: Yeah, somebody with, uh, you know, the biggest one, and, you know, this is this is cliche, but someone with the, a really like, a great attitude that aligns with our our, our vision, um, you know, is a big one. We prefer someone with some management experience um, in a perfect world, just because, you know, it does, uh, it is difficult if you've never managed somebody to then have to quickly manage, you know, five, seven, eight, ten. 10, you know, and then hopefully 30, 40 people, um, in a short span of time. So some management experience, and then just really that attitude to, to want to, win in their market you know we don't want to just you know have a bunch of franchisees that are just kind of sitting around doing nothing we want them to um you know on their own and with our support to really try to to win the market the way that you know we think we're doing here in Philly is to you know be number 1 that that's our ideal
0: candidate yeah so someone who's competitive and 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 likes that that component of it do you support both um you know owner operator and like semi absentee or is it a better fit for owner operator
2: Definitely. Yeah, it's both. Um, You know, like for us right now, we're semi absentee, we have an operations uh, manager and and management team that they handle all the actual, um, you know, operation side here. So so we're very used to that. Um, You know, it's gonna be a little more expensive if you're starting out semi absentee, just because you have to fund that management, but we support both. Um, Just kind of depends. I also think it depends on the temperament too. you know, um, managing people every day is different than just managing business you know, so that some people are fit for both. Some people just fit for one or the other. So I think it just kind of, um, depends on what the candidate thinks makes the most sense, but yeah, we're, we, um, we support both.
0: Great. And what would you say is, you know, a day in the life for an owner and maybe as an owner operator, what would that look like?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, as an owner operator, pretty much, uh, what your day in the life is going to be is you get in a little bit earlier in the cruise, get them dispatched to their jobs, um, checking in as the day is going on, making sure they're on pace. Uh, and then in between those times, you're doing you know your side work, whether it be hiring or networking with other uh, local spheres of influences like realtors, apartment complexes, storage unit, um, places to try to build those connections that way. Um, and then obviously going over all of your reports and financials to make sure everything's, you know, up to par on, you know, are we hitting our numbers and are we on the growth projections that we're looking for? Um, like I said, it's, it's a lot of business management, general business management.
0: Sure. Are you guys open seven days a week? I imagine moving over the weekends is, is pretty popular, right? Yeah, for
1: sure. Um, so we are open seven days a week. Uh, what we found is um, we have more of a limited availability on the weekends uh, just because of the way we uh, do our employee scheduling. We kind of have uh, an Uber-like uh, scheduling basis where we give our employees the flexibility to give their availability on a week-to-week basis. So we're able to uh, facilitate the most amount of jobs with the least amount of friction with you know scheduling and whatnot. But we are open seven days a week. Okay.
0: And I I assume they always go out in teams or at least a team of two, right? Definitely. Yeah. We don't ever
1: send out anybody out alone. And the size of the team will just depend on the size of the job. So on the bigger moves, you know, we might have six or seven guys go out. Um, and a junk crew is two guys.
0: How many employees do you recommend a, a new location start with, like a junk crew and a moving crew type of thing? For
1: sure. Yeah. And especially in the early days, you might have a little bit of a hybrid. Um, you know, Just touching back on why we want the uh, franchisees to do both services is you know, you might have a move to start the day off, but then with the junk removal, a lot of it's same day, next day booking. So they're doing the move and then they get a couple junk jobs to book in. So then that same crew is going to come back, switch trucks and then go fulfill the junk jobs. Um, but typically what we like to say is whatever number of crews that you want, you want about uh, three times that for the number of employees. Cause not everyone's going to work every single day. You're going to have uh, you know, it's a physical job. So full time for some of these guys is, you know, four days a week. For yeah. Sure. So like six to eight ish. you're going to start with, you know, most uh, franchises start with about two trucks, one moving,
2: one junk. Um, you know, so yeah, about six to eight. Cause again, not everybody's working five days a week or someone only working two days a week. So you want to have enough to, to provide that flexibility and make sure you're fully staffed on, on all those days
0: sure and it's you know it's a pretty physical job right so who who is a typical employee a, a guy in his 20 or 30s typically Usually,
2: mean, yeah, yeah yeah
0: i mean we we've we plenty of guys that, that that are even older than that um you know because uh, if you
2: if you're do things smarter, not always harder. You can, uh, you, you can actually, um, you can be older. It's not that you have to be younger, but a lot of them do tend to be, yeah, yeah. Younger guys that like to, um, you know, like to be physical, like to be outside, like to almost, almost feels like they're working out. You know what I mean? And then um, they kind of get that chance to uh, provide that customer service every single day, you know, and they're, and they're working to, uh, to get those tips. Really, that's a, uh, that's a big portion of a lot
1: of the, uh, the movers, uh, how they, they get, uh, you know, good wages is from also uh, tips for sure. And some of the guys, they prefer to uh, pick up the heavy stuff and they don't want to touch a box. Right. And the other guys, they'd rather run boxes all days and pack the truck. So it's nice to see the, uh, symbiotic nature the crew kind of form itself and you get your you know your heavy hitters that do the big stuff and your packers that do the other stuff they, they kind of work themselves out within the crews which is pretty cool as
0: well that's funny yeah it's like a a pack a pack of animals or something yep. right <laughs> they they, 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 <laughs> they sorted it
2: all works out for the big picture yeah there's plenty, like yeah there's plenty of guys you say oh he doesn't look like you know he can bench 300 pounds or something. He's an awesome mover because it's more, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, he knows how to wrap everything or, or pick the boxes up. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not just one size fits all for sure.
0: Yeah. There's always that one, you know, really wiry guy in high school sports, but you're always, a little, you, no one wanted to mess with him, right? He had like yes, you know, exactly. Cra- yeah, yeah, exactly, crazy strength, right? Yeah. There's always one of those guys. <laughs> in order for you to grow, then, the big capital is you need to add trucks, right? Like that's kind of where the, the growth comes in. And, and I assume you would help uh, new franchisees kind of plan that out when they're getting, you know, let them, you know, when they're getting close to, thinking about adding a truck and that sort of thing?
2: Yeah. So we, we would help them plan financially, um, you know, just based on kind of what their projections are. So that's where, uh, you know, you really get that support from us too, is to how to plan not only on a year to year basis, but a month to month basis. Hey, you know, just because we're busy right now in the height of the summer doesn't mean we should buy, you know, three more trucks, even though it could help us next week, because that's going to be more expensive as things kind of dip. So we help them with the, you know, the projection of that and, and kind of plan throughout the year and, and, and moving forward. And then we also have a relationship with a national truck dealer, um, where the headquarters actually happens to be here in Philly, but you know, we can um, help those trucks be ready, and, and they're all spec'd out and ready to go and they can be delivered, you know, um, in advance and, and um, so that they're ready to go for next year or whenever they need them
0: sure yeah that's a that's a great relationship to have uh from an equipment standpoint i mean imagine beyond the trucks there's not a whole lot right like moving moving tr- carts or you know it's it's pretty the truck is the big piece of it, right?
1: Yeah, the truck's definitely the big piece. Um, with that being said, there are required pieces besides that, um, one of which is just like moving blankets. Like, you know, we're professional movers, we're gonna be wrapping everything in the blankets make sure nothing gets damaged. So, blankets are a big one. Uh, on the moving side, we have movers wrap, which is oversized cellophane to help keep the blankets on the piece, the tape, uh, dollies, hand trucks, tool kits. Um, all, all smaller pieces, but all very vital to the actual function of the business. And that's mostly on the moving side, on the junk removal side. You don't really have that much demand for supplies besides, you know, brooms and, and trash bags and whatnot. But uh, the moving definitely has its required parts.
0: So what is a typical investment to become a new owner?
1: Yeah, so we say the range is about like 90000
2: to $150,000. Um, the spread kind of depends on state by state. And then the other um, other portion of it is kind of what we alluded to earlier is how involved you want to be. You know, if you want to be a semi-absentee owner, you definitely want to have some extra funds to, you know, be able to pay that that manager's salary as things, uh, you know, are starting out. You want to have those um, set aside. So, yeah, 90000 to
0: 150000 Okay. So, really pretty reasonable, particularly for this, you know, for this type of business, for sure.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And, and one of our main focuses throughout, you know, an entire franchisee's uh, timeline is to keep them as profitable as possible. So, you know, we're not going to put in extra expenses that you know look good, but you don't really need. We're really going to focus on the things that are just going to make the franchisees money.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear. Once agreements are signed, typically, how long before someone could be operational, and and what's the training look like?
1: Yeah, our goals like uh, our
2: goals ninety days. Um, you know, actually, the first one he was already doing some junk removal. He kind of had a small junk removal business. So little bit quicker um but yeah like 90 days you know he was like closer to 60 so um yeah 90 days because uh they have to get all their licenses set up they have to order the trucks they have to get the warehouse ready to go they have to have their insurance deposits and then there's uh 40 hours of on-site training here in westchester so um they get to go through primarily with steve um, you know, everything from, uh, hey, how did the movers actually wrap pieces to, you know, how do you handle your finances and how, to, how do we do marketing in the local market? So that gets done um, in those five days. And then they get 12 hours um, from us guaranteed of on-site training at their location. So that's after they get, you know, started, um, you know, help them operating, help them with their marketing and, and planning everything out. So they get at least, you know, pretty much two full days at, at bare minimum of us. Being out there to start.
0: Yeah, that's great. So I'm really excited for you guys, and you know, I really appreciate uh, having you guys on. And um, I'd be happy to get any listeners in touch with you. But if, if someone wanted to learn more, is your website the best place to start?
2: Yeah, yeah. So if you go to Moving You and Junk You, just click the button that says Franchise Opportunities. It'll give you um, an email um, and a phone number that you can just call. You know, we're we're not really here to to be annoying to people. The goal is really to get people that want to be involved, you know, so they're not going to get pestered and, and blown up with emails, emails and calls. Um, we're looking for people that really want to be franchisees because that's how you become successful. I think in any business is people that really want um, want mm-hmm. to do it, you know, and that's what we're looking for. So,
0: yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I always say to candidates I'm working with, I'm, I'm not going to convince anybody to do anything. You know what I mean? You, it's, it's a big, it's a major decision and, you know, they've got to want to be Wanted to be able to do it and to, to be motivated to do it and all those things and particularly you know I know you know you, the culture there that you guys are building is really important so getting the right people in the door is is crucial to keeping that 10%. yeah well guys thanks again for joining us today I, I've really enjoyed learning more about moving you and junk you and it's it's really cool that you guys are you know good friends and started this together and are going through this this process together you know I've been out of college for about. 25 years and I still have college buddies and we, we still talk about getting into business together. So <laughs> yeah. So super cool that you guys are able to experience that together. And uh, you know, thanks again. And I'm, I'm excited to watch you guys grow and, you know, have continued success. So
1: thank for you. Sure. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks Greg. Appreciate it. Sure thing guys. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Franchise Hounds. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode or would like to work with me directly to explore franchise ownership opportunities, please reach out through the form on our website at FranchiseHounds.com.